new series um, tonight called Hearing God. And I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Wale Igbaje, and I am from your cousins from Imprint London, and they send all their love. So if you guys are ever in London, come and visit us. We're right next to London Bridge, so it's really accessible. But yeah, I would like to start off a new series called Hearing God. And recently, um, I've been speaking to some of my relatives and some of my friends, and they've been asking me this question. They're like, Wale, how do we hear God? And the way they've kind of been asking me is as if it's as if they're disqualified from actually hearing God. They ask a question with a hint of insecurity, basically saying that I can't really hear God because I have sinned too much. Or I actually can't really hear God because I'm not spiritually mature. And what I've seen often, especially just being um, in a Christian community myself, is that I see people strive and force their way to hear God as if by hearing God, you can hear God if you get to a level of spiritual maturity. And I really find that actually quite contradictory to God's heart, because some of us who know the story, um, the parable story, it basically talks about Jesus shared one particular story that there was 100 sheep, and um, this shepherd lost one of his sheep. So what he did, he basically kept 99 sheep in a safe place, and he went out to go and look for one sheep. And the Bible talks about how when he found this lost sheep, that he took the sheep and put it on his shoulder and joyfully he went back home. And I find it really hard that that sort of shepherd, and when that parable was talking about, um, that particular parable was talking about Jesus himself and God himself. And I find it really hard that that type of God will basically play hard to get with us. That will essentially say, because you're not spiritually mature, because you have sinned way too much, I'm going to keep my distance from you. You are not going to hear my voice clearly. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. It teaches us that when some of us are lost, when some of us are far from God, that Jesus himself actually pursues us. That's what he does. And um, even in John 10, it actually goes on to say that my sheep will hear my voice. And essentially, that's just a metaphor of our relationship with God. When we say yes to Jesus, when we say, God, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me, and I want to put Jesus as Lord, the Savior of my life, then just like this analogy in John 10, Jesus becomes our shepherd, and we are his sheep. And in John 10, it actually says that my sheep hear my voice. So first of all, there's that expectation that God speaks. And secondly, there's that expectation that we as sheep will listen to him. But why perhaps for some of us we feel like, I hear you all over, I'm not connecting. I can't hear God's voice. Like I've really been struggling for the past few years and maybe even the past few months as well. I've really been struggling. And perhaps it's not that God is not speaking. Perhaps it's more of we don't actually recognize his voice. And the thing is, when I feel like, um, when it comes to hearing God's voice, um, I read one book one time that phrased it like this, is familiarity and it's not a formula. So I'll give, this, I'll give you this example. So um, someone that I don't know. Okay, so Taro, what's the name of the guy next to you? What's your name? David, okay. Oh, Dave, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so let's say um, I met David for the first time um, tonight. And I go back to London, and in two years' time, I'm walking through um, Oxford Circus, and I pass um, the Nike store. Let's say David is um, talking to one of his friends outside the Nike store, and um, I pass, um, pass the Nike store. To be fair, I don't really like Nike. I'm an Adidas boy, but, you know, just pulling it out there. 
Um, yeah, just pulling it out there. Adidas for life. Woo! So, um, but yeah, anyway, for the analogy, let's say um, I pass um, the Nike store and David is speaking to his friends and it might be really busy, really congested. I might not instantly recognize his voice. I might just walk past him completely. But let's say if it's a similar situation, two years later from now, I'm in Oxford Street. My mum is speaking um, to one of her friends outside the Nike store. And I walk past her and I might not even see her. But if I hear her voice, I will instantly stop. And I'll be like, mum, why are you outside the Nike store? You know we do Adidas as a family. Like, what's happening? And I will stop. Why would I stop? Because I have, if we were to compare the situation with David, it's the same time period, it's the same location, but what's the only difference? I'm more used to my mom's voice. I'm more familiar with my mom's voice. And what makes me more familiar with my mom's voice? The frequency. It's the frequency. It's because in different situations, my mom has spoken to me. Where when I was younger, she was like, boy, clean your room right now or something is going to happen. Or she's like, oh, well, I've made you some jollof rice and chicken. You know, there's different things. There's different situations where my mom has spoken to me. So that's why I say God's voice is not a formula, but it's familiarity. So how do we do that? How do we become more familiar with God's voice? In this simple way, we invite him to different situations in our lives. So day to day, throughout our life, we say, God, what is your perspective in this situation? Like in London, we recently just did a series called No Margins, and it basically said, we don't want to have any area of our life that's not defined by you. So as a community, we were saying, God, we want your narrative. We want you to speak to us when it comes into our finances. We want you to speak to us when it comes to our relationships and with our friendships. We want you to speak to us when it comes to our family. We want to hear your heart in every single way. And I think for some of us, even in this room, perhaps we've even forgotten that God has an opinion that he actually has a vision for our life, that he's actually interested in every single area of our lives. He's interested in our academics. And the more we say, okay, God, what is your heart in my academics? What's your heart in my friendship group right now? The more we'll become familiar with our voice. The more we'll become familiar with, with his voice. And when it comes to a big thing, when it comes to us being in a different location or a different season or a different situation, that we're at peace when we hear that voice. And, we'll, and it actually causes us to stop and be like, okay, God, what are you actually saying to me? So, like I said, it's a formula. It's familiarity and not formula. And um, I would like us to turn quickly to John 10. Verse 1. Hopefully we'll appear on the screens. And when you're there, say, oh, yeah. Mm, so weak. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by one way, is a thief and a robber. So this is what Jesus is saying. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. And this sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will turn away. They will turn away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. 
Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who, who have who, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever here, whoever enters through the gates will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so they may have life full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the sheep and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is hired and cares nothing for the sheep. So a principle that I would like to share next is in this particular scripture, it says that the shepherd, Jesus our master, actually leads us to green pastures. He leads us, it's an analogy that for God who leads us into a place of peace, for God who leads us into a place of clarity and for perspective and healing. And for some of us, when it comes to actually discerning God's voice, the reason why we're finding it difficult is because we actually believe God's voice is something that it's not. I remember um, you guys have one of those freedom sessions. It came up on the screen, right? I remember a few years ago, I did a freedom session um, with Grace and Frank, actually. And basically, the freedom sessions is amazing because it, it's just a time to receive personal healing in a way of situations and stuff. And I, um, I remember Grace and Frank asked me and said, ask the Lord if there's any lies that you're believing about him. So I essentially said, um, I closed my eyes and I said, God, is there any lies that I believe about you? And the Lord instantly said to me internally, he said, you believe I'm full of wrath and I'm an angry God. And I was like, what? I was like, God, I love you. What do you mean? Like, and I was like, no, you believe that I am full of wrath and I'm, and I'm an angry God. And I remember saying that to Grace and Frank. And then they said, okay, ask the Lord, where did that come from? Where did that lie come from? And I remember um, closing my eyes and I literally went back through memory lane. And I remember a situation where I did something very naughty in school, you know, as you do. And, you know, me being a Nigerian, uh, my parents were getting ready to come home to discipline me. <laughs> Boy, you know, I leave that to your imagination. So I was at home and basically in this vision that I had of myself, of my history, what happened was that I was waiting at home and I was anticipating my parents to walk through the door so they can discipline me for what I've done wrong in school. And in that moment, the Lord basically said to me, you've attributed this to me. You've attributed that if you do something wrong, if you mess up, that I am going to come down and strike you, that I'm going to come down and take you out. But the Lord said, that's not what I'm like. And when he said that, I instantly just started crying because I realized how often and for so many years, I believed that God's voice was the voice of condemnation. I believe that God's voice was the voice I was literally saying, well, I'm going to take you out. Look at you. You've done this again. You've done this again and you're worthless. I believe that was God's voice. Upon that, I believe that God's voice was the voice of punishment. That if I did something wrong, I deserve to be punished. And I heard those voices and I attributed it to God. And for some of us, perhaps, um, who believe in prophecy, and I know as a church, we step out in prophecy. This is one area where, in particular, we need to be careful. Because in Revelations chapter 12, it says that there is one accuser. 
there's one person who constantly accused you, and his name is Satan. His name is the devil. While it says Jesus, on the other hand, in, in John chapter 3, it says that Jesus came to save and to not condemn. So it meant that every time I was hearing a voice of condemnation and a voice of accusation, it was actually not from God, but was from the father of lies himself. And it made me think how many times even us as a community actually try to um, say, give someone a prophetic word, but it's actually coming from a voice of accusation and it's coming from a voice of condemnation. And I don't want to sound too heavy, but perhaps you're even partnering with the enemy's perspective over that person. And we say it's God. Perhaps we're kind of angry of a situation and we say to that person, God is disappointed in you. God is going to punish you. When in, in our own reality, we're disappointed in that person and we feel like they should be punished. And even though you're entitled to your opinion, you're entitled to be angry, we need to be careful when we actually share words for people because in reality, it might not actually be from God. Amen? And as sheep, if we know that God is a God who wants to leave us into abundant life, he wants to lead us into a life of peace, clarity, freedom from addiction, fulfillment, then how do we respond as sheep? Well, the first way it says that the sheep in, in John chapter 10, it basically talks about how the sheep um, follow the shepherd, that the shepherd goes ahead and the sheep follows him. And I really feel like this is a clear picture when it comes to hearing God's voice. You know, so many times, some of my friends, um, they say to me, nah, I'm actually angry at God. I'm angry at God. I'm like, okay, okay, cool, calm down, what happened? And they said, you know, I basically have this idea, I have this um, dream of mine, but I ask God to bless it, I ask God to favor it, and nothing is happening for me. Like, why is he not answering my prayer? And to be fair, God is a merciful God. God is a gracious God. But I actually asked them, oh, okay, when was the last time that God actually spoke to you about this, your particular dream? And they said to me, oh, God has never actually spoken to me about it. And I basically just said, do you think this this thing might actually be from God? They're like, mm, I don't know, but he should still bless it anyway. And I was like, God is not a genie. Do you, do you get what I mean? He's not a genie. God actually has his own vision. He also has his own initiatives. And as sheep, what we do is say, God, what is your heart? What is your desire? And God resources and God equips his own initiatives and his own projects. So as those who say we want to hear God, perhaps the first step is for us is to humble our own desires and to humble our own dreams and say, God, what is yours? And as someone basically said, someone who won a Grammy and they asked her, what would you say to young um, girls and boys who perhaps want to be like you in the future and who perhaps want to chase their dreams? And she said this, don't chase your dreams, but chase God's dreams. Because God's dreams are so much bigger than what you can ever imagine. I remember even when it came to um, when it came to even starting this church, I was actually meant to be in New York, and the Lord told me I want you to stay in in Leicester, and I said this is the devil talking to me. <laughs> I said there's no way that I'm going to stay in any one over New York City. I said there's no way. But I remember the Lord really speaking to me and said, Wale, will you humble your dreams for me? And I'm so, I'm just so in awe of what God has done over the last few years. 
that we've been able to plant here in Leicester and that we've also been able to plant here in London. And imagine if I now went to New York City, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, New York City, da 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 but not following what God has for me. And because it wasn't for me, I would have been striving. I would have been, I would have been a slave. I would have been a slave to my desires. I would have been a slave to my dreams. And I would have been thinking, why is this not working out? Not knowing that I was anointed for something else. And the next thing that this particular scripture talks about, it says, my sheep, those who follow me, do not follow the stranger's voice. And in today's culture with millennials and Generation Z, we have a spectrum of ideas, narrative, and paradigms. And we believe that if we entertain and if we reason and listen to all these ideas and paradigms, then it will make us more intellectual and discerning beings, when in reality, it actually does the opposite. We listen to the stranger's voice of lust, and we ask ourselves why I have no love and why I feel left unfulfilled. We listen to the stranger's voice of secularism and we realize why have I been left with no foundation and confused with my identity. And we listen to the stranger's voice of condemnation and we ask ourselves why do I feel depressed and why do I feel worthless about myself? And as the scripture says, my sheep, those who follow me, do not listen to these stranger voices. And for some of us, in terms of hearing God's voice, it means that we actually need to cut off some of these voices that we're listening to. And if I'm being honest, for some of us, it might even mean that we need to cut off some of, some of our friends that we're listening to. Where for me, like, if I'm being honest, I love my boys, you know, but sometimes when they try and talk to me, I'm like, hmm, that's not what God says about me, so you better just <laughs> move aside. And that's me protecting my heart. Like, I love you, I'm still gonna be in relationship with you, but there's some certain areas, areas I'm not gonna come and talk to you about. Because guess what? Unfortunately, you're not in a place where you can hear God's life. You cannot hear God's perspective over me. And until that day, I'm sorry, there's some areas I'm not gonna listen to you in. I'm gonna cut off that stranger's voice. And basically, by you being intentional and saying, I'm not going to listen to the stranger's voice, I'm not going to listen to what media says, I'm not going to listen to what culture says, then you are going to be able to discern clearly what the Lord is saying to you. Imagine being in a position where you can actually, all these different voices are silenced and you can hear God's voice clearly. And it's not that he's not speaking, it's just that sometimes it can get so crowded with these lies that we're entertaining, with these different voices that we're listening to. And next, I would just like to speak um, about prophecy. So if we can turn to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And when you're there, say, mm-hmm. Mm, that was a bit rich, okay. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. So, I'll, I'll basically paint some context before. So, when it comes to prophecy, I believe it's an extension to hearing God's voice. And I believe it's simply just hearing God's voice in a way of situation, hearing God's voice for people, hearing God's voice and perspective over a region or over a particular um, situation. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, 
the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. I'll read that again. It says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So it's God's heart to share revelations to a person that will bring renewal, clarity, faith, hope, and a quickening. And often he will use someone else in your community to actually share these particular revelations to another person. And I remember the Lord basically telling me one day that, Wale, you need to stop leading people to yourself. You need to lead people to me. And when it comes to prophecy, when it comes to actually sharing God's heart to people, I like to think of this, that we are simply the pipelines and Jesus himself is the living water. And when the Bible talks about that prophecy is for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort, that's what it is simply. I remember um, when I was in university, and some of my friends, they still tease me about it today. Um, there was a time when I was really trying to be intentional in terms of stepping out in prophecy and actually giving um, some of these encouragement words. And some of my friends admitted that, well, hey, I can't lie, back in the day, I was scared of you. I was like, what? I was like, well, like I smile all the time. How can you be afraid of me? And they basically said, yeah, I was scared of you because I knew you were trying to um, pursue prophecy and pursue hearing God's heart and stuff like that. And I was just kind of afraid that if I stood close enough to you, God will reveal all my secret sins. And I basically just told that person, wow, you don't know God. Because God does not reveal in order to condemn or to bring shame. He reveals to redeem, as Tommy said. And that's the heart of God. So for some of us, perhaps God might give us an insight into what someone else is going through. It's not for us to actually be like, ah, hmm, I'm ready to expose this person. Yeah, it's not for that. But it's actually to bring his light, to bring his freedom into that particular area. Or in a sense where the person can feel like I can be embraced by this community and I can actually walk out my freedom in this community. That's why we prophesy for the strengthening and for the encouragement of other people. And I remember um, also, I believe it was in that same year when it was the second Imprint Gospel Showcase, so the one that Pastor ST, whoo, my guy, that ST was actually one of the main actors. And I remember um, when I was, I was, no, I was actually an intern, so I was an intern and I had theology lessons, and I was just like, I was trying to like write some notes, but I was just filled with so much fear. I was like, who told me to do that? Literally, these were the words in my mind. I was like, who told me to do this showcase? This showcase is gonna flop. Wale, you're so extra, why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh Wale, like, you are so ridiculous. You don't have enough faith for this. And I literally said, it's gonna flop, no one's gonna come. And all these things were just running through my mind. And I was like, I was, I was thinking, let me just cancel it, let me cancel it, let me cancel it, let me cancel it. And this was all going through my mind as this um, theology lecture was going on. And the lecturer actually, um, in that minute, gave me a prophetic word. And the lecturer said to me that the Lord says to you that this showcase was not your idea, that it was his. And this will not even be the last showcase, but there'll be many more. And like nine showcases later, we're still here with two churches. And it's so amazing what that guy prophesied to me because it actually in that moment just silenced all the torment, all of my fears. And it brought a sense of encouragement and strengthening. And this is what the Lord does. The Lord actually uses other people to speak to you. 
the Lord speaks to you personally, and it's real. The Lord spoke to him about my situation so clearly, and I believe that's what he does still today. Amen? So I believe um, prophecy has two main beautiful results. Firstly, it shows that God really knows a person. And secondly, it shows that God has intent for you. I remember um, when, a, when one of my friends, um, he came in and he spoke to a guy and basically said to him that, I just feel like the Lord says, well done. And um, he loves your heart, that you have a heart like David. And I just started laughing. And he was like, Wale, why are you laughing? You're always grinning teeth. And I basically said to him, because his name is David. And it was just so funny because obviously he didn't know this guy, but God knows that guy and God knows that person's situation. Another situation where um, I was in another church and I was literally just in worship. I, there was a guy who was standing at the back. And in worship, I just felt like the Lord said to me, I want you to go and tell that guy that he's a great dad. So I, I literally just walked over and I said, hey, bro, this might be really random, but I just feel like God wants you to know that you're a great dad. And instantly he just started crying. And he said that I was literally just telling the Lord that I'm a terrible dad, that I can't even provide for my kids. And the thing is with prophecy, the thing is when you actually hear God's heart for a person, when you actually take steps to actually share it, it has the power to transform someone's life. It has a heart to actually redeem a person's situation. And I feel like when it comes to prophecy, do it in humility. Sometimes if you feel like you're uncertain, if you feel like you're unsure, literally just say to a person, sorry, I'm, I'm practicing trying to hear God's voice. Do you mind if I share this with you? Can I share this with you? And say the word. That also gives that person um, the freedom to discern it, the freedom to test it for themselves but it also just basically gives you the opportunity to actually step out in faith as well. And when it comes to actually stepping out in, in faith and actually to, to share those particular words, I just want to encourage you to actually do it. Because at the end of the day, if, if it's wrong, guess what? No one dies. No one dies. But if it's right, that person's life is transformed. And it's worth it, isn't it? And I'd just like to share um, different things that prophecy is not. So I've already shared this, but I'll say it again. It's not a thing where you read people's mind and reveal the secrets of their past or abuse. Um, it's not at all to promote spiritual control over personal manipulation. And it's definitely not negative, but it's redemptive in nature. And there's different ways that you might actually receive a prophetic word. So there's different ways that you might actually hear from God. And first of all, it's through this, his word, his Bible. God will never contradict his word. Number two, you might have a personal impression. Like I know people, like um, some people call them feelers, but they're basically they're people who can walk into a place and be like, wow, like, the vibe is not right here. And da, 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 da. like, I'm like, they're weird, but it's actually, I believe it's a God thing. Um, and they can actually feel if God wants to do something in, in this particular place, if God wants to um, reach a particular person. Another thing is visions. So we might call that the seer. So I'm a person who internally, I might just receive a vision about a person or even for myself in particular. Um, number four, it's dreams. 
Um, and number five, um, God can actually use circumstances or inanimate objects um, to actually speak to you. So I remember one of my friends, um, he was in McDonald's, and a song by Taylor Swift um, came on. And the, the lyrics basically said, um, everything has changed. And literally when that lyric came on, he just bursted into tears and he was like, oh my gosh, God, everything has changed. Everything has changed. Everything will change. And basically God was using a Taylor Swift song to speak to him, boy. <laughs> you know, anyway. And when it comes to like testing prophecies, so in First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9, it basically says that now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. So we actually only see, so prophecy is not like a full picture of what God has for us, but it's only a part of the picture. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, verse 21, it says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. And I just want to give us three key principles of how to test a prophetic word, of how to test if you feel like you've received something from God. So the first thing, the three W's, is the word. God will not contradict his word, but he might also contradict your understanding of his word. So that's really important. The second W is, um, does it relate or doesn't confirm any other words that I've received? So. The second W is the will. Does it actually relate or confirm different words I've already heard? And the last W is the way. Is it the right time? And I feel like sometimes when people hear a word from God, they're like, yep, this is going to happen instantly, and they start running, running, when in actual fact, perhaps that's just a waiting time. And um, if I was to just share, so I just want to share a few more practicalities and then I'm going to go towards something else. So just a few more practicalities. When it comes to prophetic word, process prophetic words in community. So for example, how many of us are in a cruise? Woo! So let's say if you receive a prophetic word, you can share, you can process it in your community, in your cruise, or perhaps with a friend. Never rely purely on logic especially when a word comes. Never uh, make a big decision based on a prophetic word because you're offended. And do not allow fear or pressure to, make, to force you to make a decision. Everything you do must come from a place of rest. And as someone basically told me before, a spiritual father told me, if you feel the need to defend your decision, you're probably wrong. And community, obviously, community might get tipped wrong, but also have the humility to submit to your leadership or to perhaps even your community that basically says, mm, I feel like there's something there. You might need to rethink and test that word again. And there's something um, I would like to say, so um, I hope ST doesn't mind, but I just want to share some... Um, prophetic words just over this community. And um, before that, I just want to read some statistics. I hope I find it. Yeah. 
So this was basically some statistics that I got emailed um, earlier this week. It says in 2018, Sunday attendance for zero to 16 year olds dropped below 100,000 for the first time ever. It says 38% of churches have no zero to 16s, while 68% have five or fewer zero to 16s. 44% of all zero to 16s are found in 6.4% of churches. Decline among under 16s is much faster than the decline among all other generation, almost twice the speed of decline in adults. And the reason why I wanted to share those um, crazy statistics is because I really feel like the Lord wants to use you guys in terms of doing something for the youth, in terms of a youth outreach. And I know like over the last few months, this has been a word bubbling, but um, I received a vision um, a few weeks ago of basically something happening um, in, the, in the city center for young people, where there basically was like a haven place for them. It was a place of fun and games, but it was also a place where they can find God. And I remember when I was actually in Leicester, um, I was speaking to um, a group of basketballers, because I used to play basketball, and they were all like um, under 18. And um, I was just speaking to them, and I said, if I'm being honest, my church has been feeling to do something, and we've received so many prophetic words about doing something for young people. And I said to them, like, what do you guys actually need? And they said, we need a youth club. We need something in the city center for us because there's nothing for us. And I said to them, um, and they said to me these words, they said, if it wasn't for basketball, we'll be doing um, every single, we'll be doing the same thing that every other young person in the city does. And I said, what is it? And they said, um, sit in a park and smoke weed. And they literally said to me, what is the alternative for us? There's nothing, there's no other alternative for us in the city. And the thing is, I feel like we can be a community that actually answers that need. Like when we look at the story of Moses, God said to Moses that I am going to send you because I've heard the cries of my Israelites. And perhaps for some of us, we are actually from a different city from actually Leicester. But it is possible that we can actually be used to answer the cry of this particular city when it comes to young people. So I would like us to stand.